Hey there. You got a bunch of leads, but too swamped to make heads or tails out of them? When it comes to sealing the deal, you just throw out a number and hope for the best? Well, it's time to change that too. Welcome to the Million Dollar Pipeline Challenge, tailor-made for the home services and remodeling pros just like you. We're cutting through the clutter, showing you how to chat with your customers and nail your pitches and boost those conversions. No more guesswork, just solid strategies to grow your business. Tune in to transform your approach and let's build that million-dollar pipeline together. Text the word MONEY to 844-949-1984. That's the word MONEY to 844-949-1984 to begin your million-dollar pipeline challenge today. Welcome to Blue Collar BS, a podcast that busts the popular myth that we can't find good people, highlighting how the different generations of today, the boomers, Gen X, Millennials, and Gen Z are redefining work so that the industrial revolution that started in the U.S. stays in the U.S. Welcome to Blue Collar BS. Welcome back, Brad, to the show. How have you been? Fantastic, Mr. Doyle. It's been an amazing couple weeks. Had some great strategic planning sessions with some manufacturers, um, new clients onboarding, engaged, and wanting to be better. And I can't ask for much more than that right now. That's fantastic. Guess what? We have a phenomenal guest on the show today. We do. Who do you we think it is? We do. The dude is amazing as I've gone through his LinkedIn profile. And that's how we met. We met on LinkedIn. I wasn't stalking him. He wasn't stalking me. You know, it wasn't one of those types of things. It's <laughs> uh, no swipe right or left. It was just a connection. And uh, Damon, <laughs> welcome to the show. Blue Collar BS. We appreciate you being here. Oh, uh, Thanks, Brad. Thanks for, thanks for having me here today. Thanks for what you do on LinkedIn. You're very active. You got a lot of stuff going on there. You have a very interesting background that I can't wait to hear some of those stories on and and all the fun things you've accomplished and how you've seen the world change around you. Yeah, it's it's a bit different. It's a bit different. <laughs> As a side note, this is not a political show, so we're not going to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I'm going to bring it in. I'll bring yeah, it in. Don't worry. Thanks, no. thanks Steve. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. Well, Damon, thanks for being here. The first question we ask everyone is which generation do you most fit in with? Probably caveman, but that's <laughs> not when I was born. Uh, I'm, technically, I'm a Gen Xer, but um, people look at me in lack of hair and grayness. They think I'm a boomer, but I'm not. So At least you awesome. still have some hair, Damon. <laughs> I am far less acquired in that space than you are. <laughs> understand. Understand. My dad passed at 85. He had twice as much hair as I did, and it was black. I was like, what the heck? Did he die? Right. Did mom die it for him? No. That's no. the thing. Okay. Because we give him hell about it, but he's no. <laughs> so as I look through your profile and all the things that you've done, you know, where's your affinity for the blue collar world? What's what what started it out? What started that passion? Oh man, it's it's I I I've been lucky. I've been a blue collar guy just about my entire life. I grew up on a big family farm in in the Dakotas, and you know, we knew how to work. I mean, because my my I got three brothers and a sister, and my parents had three brothers and a sister because they needed a workforce. We're we're farming a few thousand acres and we needed to do it. We need people to do it. Right. And I, when I got into manufacturing, I just saw all this stuff that people were doing every day. And I don't mean you're running the business and everything. I've been able to do that, but that's not where the real magic happens. Real magic happens when you see these people 
like a welder welding the way these art artists can weld on a you know production i'm not talking robot welders in school we got to have that kind of stuff when you see somebody doing that or somebody that programs a cnc machine you know even today when they're doing it with the 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 cad and and the cnc programming all that stuff but see what they can make just that that is so incredible to watch people do that and then to be involved in that for my career that i've just been i've been fortunate but i i started out on the farm i mean i was building i, I learned how to weld when i was like 12 i i got, almost didn't make it through high school one how, year how many I, times did you almost blind yourself because you forgot to look away when you struck the you know, oh god yeah <laughs> yeah yeah super times of welding and i my junior year in high school my dad decided he wanted to build a, a, a fifth wheel trailer that could handle one of our bigger pieces of equipment. And he didn't think that PE was important. So I missed like the last half a year in PE. I just about didn't graduate because of it. But, but during that time, I remembered what welders welding sunburn is like, you know, cause you get a little bit, a little sleeve open on your shirt or something. You can get a pretty good burn that way, but no, I've been building stuff like that forever. And my dad was a handy person. And, and uh, I just, I just think that the blue collar, and I don't even like blue collar because I, I don't even like that term. The people that build shit, keep shit running in the United States now are the, the people who make it happen from everybody, from the people driving the trucks to building the streets, to building your house and keeping your, you know, your toilets working, whatever the heck it is. It's so much fun. And there's going to be fewer and fewer people fixing toilets and running electrical wires and, you know, fixing trailers and cars. If we don't do something to change the perception of the value of those types of jobs, because the education system has done a much better marketing job and a much better opportunity of drawing in the talented workforce that needs to come back and, and support the industries. Mm-hmm. Well, two things that I think happen. One is the people that were working more blue collar type work that were my, my parents say that the baby boomers and such, they, for some reason thought that that was a bad life and they, and, and then subsequent generations, they said, you need to go to college. You need to go to college. You need to go to college. Well, there's some people. Yeah. Maybe that's a good path for you. But the thing that I see is such a waste right now is okay. My son He's just graduated from college. He had friends that they didn't want to go to college, right? Some of those, some of those friends of his, they're, they're working at Domino's or something like that. And I'm not saying I like Domino's pizza like everybody else. And people have to have workers there. But they never even considered going to a manufacturing company. They never considered, hey, maybe I want to, maybe I want to tie steel in a construction company and work high steel. I got a friend of mine that does that. Maybe, you know, there's so many other, go to an apprenticeship program and, and learn how to, you know, fabricate metal or something. They didn't even, those, those counselors sit there and go, you want to go to college? No. Okay. I guess you know, see you later. Like, what the hell are we doing? It's, uh, it's a problem because as the workforce ages, right, we, we, we told everybody that they weren't good, which is why that's our part of our mantra, right? Debunking the myth of we can't find good people because there's good people everywhere. Yeah. You just need to show them a path and show them the excitement and, and the exhilaration and uh, have the old farts like ourselves be open to teach and share Versus mm -hmm. holding it tight that nobody else can ever understand what it is because they can learn and they can learn really quick and they they're efficient as hell once you show them yeah. what to do. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to be here forever. I think it's our job to, to teach, teach the next generation to be better. Right. We're so not doing got, it. What the hell are we doing? 
So as you've gone through your career, how, how did you see as, as you progressed through and running those factories and being in different parts of the country, what did you see the transition or transformation of the, the workforce um, stop growing and getting younger and just kind of plateaued, right? I mean, there was yeah. a point in time where it just stopped. Yeah. And we just said, hey, screw it. We're just going to do what we have. And where did yeah. you see that at your point? Well, there? I think it was, you know, it was 20-ish years ago. I mean, I can remember when the the one of the first factories I actually built and ran, we would, one of our hiring strategies was I had a great, a great HR person and, and, and she is incredible. And one of the hiring strategies she had is we had a place where it was, it was very conducive for, for ladies to work there. It was a great job for them. We had flexible shifts and things like that. And she would, she would hire people that she said were moms. And it was, it was uh, mothers between menopause and Medicare, something like that. She had some acronym she used for it. Right. And it was hilarious, but, but she was totally serious. Right. Because she was like, these are the people that are, that are old enough. Their kids are out and they could do this and all this kind of stuff. And, and you know, that's in that 40 ish year old, your kids are old enough. You don't have to take care of them anymore. And, and I really think that's when it started to happen. And that was about the time that, that those people's kids, they were telling them don't, and, you know, in the late nineties and early 2000s, they were telling the kids, don't go, go to college. Don't do what I did. You know, you don't want to have an automotive shop, even though that automotive shop put every, you can put all five kids through college and, you know, bought their house, bought the automotive shop itself. And they're going to retire. Right. And their kids are sitting here, go off working for some fortune 500 company, got laid off four times. And, you know, they're lucky to have a 401k. I just think yep. that that happened that that's the generation where I think it really hit in, in, in the Gen Xers, I guess, is what you'd say, or that the end of the baby boomers and, and the beginning of Gen Xers, I think is when it really started. And, and you look at that. And I think back to then, there were some young people, but they're the same people there now, right? There's a, there's a few people that 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 you, you have to the people where you see a young workforce, they've taken that on as their mission we had a couple clients uh in the construction side that his they're only hiring young like 21 and younger to come in because they want to teach and they want to create the opportunity and they want to build a deeper pond for everybody they know that they may not stay there forever they know they might not have that kid there for 10 years but building the business that allows them to bring in young talent teach educate and move on and make it sustainable, what's the problem? As long as it's sustainable and not a seven-month journey for onboarding where you got to have that one-on-one, but put in the discipline and the practice for training and education and skill building and those types of things, you'll be fine. Exactly. Yeah. So in your experience, Damon, and you had mentioned that those that are focused, and I'm just going to use that right now, is those that are focused on hiring the... I'll say the, the the younger millennials, the Gen Zs, they put a focus on it. Is there anything else that you've seen in the last five years that really stand out for those that are succeeding at finding those Gen Zs, those younger millennials that's working well for their business? Yeah, it's people that are going into the high schools. They go right into the high schools. You know, Matt Goosey owns MRS Machining there in Wisconsin. I forget the exact town. I it just escapes me. But he's got an his average age of his workforce is 28 years old. His wow. father started a his, his father started a program 
with the high school there. And it's amazing. It's amazing. In machining, you know, you're talking where the average age in machining across the United States is in the mid fifties or some damn thing like yes. that. And yep. he's 28. I think that's what he said. He might be a little bit older now, but it was in, it was, I was like, how the heck do you do that? He said, you know, this is what we do. When you look at the, and, and that's just not, you can't just target the high schools. Well, you have to, you know, you have to be leading those people the right way. You have to be training those people the right way and communicating with the right way to, to uh, attract them into your business. You can't have, you can't have a, you, quite honestly, you can't lead them and manage them the same way you do someone that's in their fifties like me. You can't, it won't work. They'll leave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So on that note, what have you seen companies do that are succeeding and how they manage? Like, is there, is there some quote unquote key formula or recipe or whatever it is that they're doing with that younger generation that's making them that diamond in the rough, if you will? Yes. Yes, there is. <laughs> and it's really simple. It's really simple. It's creating a real human to human connection with these people, with these younger people. That's what they, I mean, these younger people grew up with Google. They grew up with a phone in their hand. They're used to things coming to them the way they want it when they want it. Yeah. Right. So it's a human to human connection. So when you look at things and I, I uh, talked to Lisa Ryan yesterday, she is a, a speaker. She's I, she's from Cleveland, I believe. She was talking about last night. She's talked about human to human connections. She talks about she's got an acronym. She talks that's thanks. And it's it's around, you know, honesty, acceptance and and uh, and so I've I'm struggling like crazy right now because I can't find You're my on notes, the spot. Yeah, I know I'm on the spot. I'm like, holy hell, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm screwing it up. But it, but it, she, it's, it's about ultra personalization, but she talks about things like the about me, all about me sheet. Now think about this, how powerful this, if you had 10 questions that you asked each employee, you know, what are your hobbies? What's your, what's your favorite sports team? Do you watch sports? What do you have any, do you have a spouse? Do you have kids? Do you have you know, do you, do you watch NASCAR? What the heck do you do? You know, get 10 to 20 questions when they get hired so that when you're interacting with them, you might want to talk to them about sports or hunting or fishing or whatever the heck they do. It doesn't really matter. That was just one little thing as she shared with me. I'm like, holy, that's super simple. Isn't and, it though? Isn't it a shame though, that you got to turn that type of conversation into a list, right? Instead of just doing it naturally. It is. But in the, I think in the rush to be efficient in our businesses, everything going on that we have going on in businesses from yep. the, the supervisory level down to the people that are doing it, you have to intentionally make that, that connection. Right. It, it takes intentionally doing this. That's the, that, that's to me is the mind boggling part is that um, so many leaders don't want to do that. They don't want to make, take that intention because they feel it's a waste of time and, I have had some younger team members from clients where, you know, they're in leadership position. They're in that millennial phase. And, you know, we'd have that conversation say, look, you know, you can't manage from your desk. You, you have to get up and go out and be engaged. Mm -hmm. And I understand you may not care about, <laughs> you know, Lily's second birthday party that happened on Saturday and the princess house and the unicorns and all those other things. I understand you may not care about it. But you need to at least go ask the question. Yeah. And then follow up on Tuesday or Wednesday and say, hey, how is the birthday party? How are the unicorns? Right. Pick up on the keywords and just ask and be engaged as a leader. And eventually that authenticity mm -hmm. will come through, but it can't be a check the box piece to it. And because people yeah. see right through it. 
and it's it it does let's be real the baby boomers gen xers yeah we got beat into our head that you come to work and you know emotion stays at home you don't do that you know I'd you're be running this thing you can't you can't be friends with the people you work with how many damn times did you hear that and it's right yeah it's and it's bullshit too it's bullshit right you spend two-thirds of your time at work how the hell are you not supposed to become friends or care about people you work with and but we were drilled to do that as, as uh, gen xers and baby boomers and i think there's a new way that the people look at it now and and approach it is we can be friends we can be friends we can be friendly we can be caring about each other it's just a matter of there are things that you have to do there's requirements that we have to have when we're working and if you meet those and you're doing what you need right. to do there, everything is, doesn't hurt us as friends. And I know it's hard for people to do that. I mean, and it's hard to do that, but you have to do that. If you want to make that human connection, you know, yep. it's like how many, how many people I would have been, I was one of those guys and I'm not on Facebook much or anything like that. My wife is on there. Oh, you're just on LinkedIn. Things. No big deal. The yeah, largest on platform on the planet. Yeah. I'm only there. I'm not yeah. on Facebook, <laughs> but I'm not on Facebook, like saying, Oh, here's my vacation, that kind of junk or anything like that. I was, I was scared of that. Right. I was scared of that kind of stuff. And, and now it's a part of business the the, the, the millennials and Gen Zers, they expect to see you. They expect to see you. They expect <laughs> to see good, bad, whatever. What's your favorite TikTok dance, Damon? You know what? I don't look at TikTok very much and there are some funny ones, but I, I, that's one I've got it on my phone. And I hardly look at it. Wow. A, cause I, I can't dance. So just thought I'd ask. Yeah. No, I, no it's the one that's I not, no, it's, I don't even have Steve, TikTok. Steve, it's the one that my kids favorite don't do and don't show me. That's my favorite. <laughs> cause that's their thing. Oh, oh. yeah. Steve's yeah. got younger kids. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, That's funny. So when talk about the, the friends at work type scenario, when I was with Bucyrus, there was a, we were going through this massive hiring phase with our engineering group, probably in 2005 through about 2010 and hired some younger millennials in that space who are older millennials now. Yeah. And it was always amazed me. There was a group of like seven of them. They all worked together their girlfriends and wives they all got together on the weekends they all did things and like you guys see each other like three yeah. days a year how do you do that i don't understand it right because it didn't fit me it wasn't who i was I'm like okay um and then once i figured out oh okay cool um let's leverage those relationships uh, across that so we can get a greater good and get greater buy-in and figure out how to manage that differently instead of looking at go you guys are nuts to hey cool let's ask some questions <laughs> let's validate some stories let's make let's see who's telling who what around the organization and and figuring out what's going on right yeah because <laughs> if they're all together who's telling who what stories and you you, you kind of plant some seeds and you figure out what's going on to help the organization be better and mm -hmm. sometimes you, you uh -huh. know, I turn, for me i turned it a little bit into a game <laughs> once in a while to see who's doing yep. who what and how long it took to come back right yeah, <laughs> but it was uh, it was pretty interesting to see how they how they stuck together and they hung together and and there really wasn't a lot of discrepancy between any of them. They were all really good good people and we were very fortunate to have them. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. You are now currently um, you know exit your way. Yeah. So what does what's that looking like for you these days? As we are you know we're going to see a ten ten trillion dollar shift in in uh, 
wealth over the next decade or so. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. Going? It's going, it's, it's going well. It's interesting. It's in our company. Um, two things. <laughs> it's First okay. of all, if any business brokers are listening, they're probably going to be pissed after this, but um, okay. uh, so I, I, well, or private equity people too. So I should just try to put the list of oh, people okay. out that are probably going to be pissed as I start. There's only 37,000 followers, Damon, that you have. You're not going to make them all yeah. happy. Yeah, no. Well, so first of all, you know, the last half of my career, when I was working for people, I was running companies for investment owners, right? And that is okay if you're an investor. And, but I'll tell you, for, for a lot of the people that work in investment companies and a lot of people that are leading investment companies, it's a pretty shitty job, just honestly, because mm-hmm. the things you have to do sometimes and, and it's not doesn't, they'll just say it doesn't contain the human element as much as it should. But one of the things I really enjoyed when I did it was the ability to be able to grow teams, build really good businesses, and then exit them. For the money, help the investors get the money out of the business that they want. Not that I was giving it to the investors, but that's cool. They've invested, they got it. So I was about 35 and I had done, I don't know, second one or something like that. And I was, I was like, this is really cool building businesses like this. I said, I should start a company to do this. And, you know, I didn't have a brain to, to do it at the time. And fast forward to today and, and, uh, I, I, in 2015, I actually reconnected with a guy that I worked with in one of those companies, uh, in, uh, 2008 timeframe and Andrew Cross. And he was, he was a, a business broker. Cause after we had, that, that was the last time I worked for somebody and we went into that company and, and we, we left it and, and they continued on to do what they did. He, he started a business brokerage after it. So in 2015, we caught up six, seven years ago, and then we kept in touch throughout. He goes, Hey, you know, you, I had just finished. I, I like to build. Plants. Awesome. I think it's building manufacturing plants to me is like, Holy heck. It's fun. It's fun. You know, cause even, if, even if someone calls me up and they said, Hey, lay out my manufacturing plant. I'm like geeking out. This is going to be fun. Right. And, uh, so, so I got to do that and I was just finishing one of those deals and, and, uh, he goes, Hey, I, I why don't you, why don't you help me with the brokerage? I was like, okay. I think I, you know, selling businesses, helping people. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and I got in about six months and I'm like, this sucks. We sit down with these business owners and we tell them how much their business is worth. And they go, well, that's not enough. I can't retire on that. And then we just say, well, that's cool. You know, when you're ready, just call us. I was like, I literally one day I drove back from a meeting and I said, I called Andrew up because he was living in, in, he lives in Utah and I am here in Seattle. And he goes, I go, this is bullshit. We're not going to do this anymore. I said, we're going to help these people because the whole business brokerage investment banking industry is feeding people a line of shit because only about 25% of these businesses get sold. And the ones that do get sold for a hell of a lot less than the people need. And I, we, and I told him, I said, we are, we have the skills, you know how to do it. I know how to do it. We know all these other people that are out here that are helping businesses be better and grow and all this other stuff. They don't have to do this. We just have to be able to get to them a few years earlier and help them to actually prepare their business to be sold. Voila. That's where we're at today. You go from about 25% chance of selling to well over 95. 
And now you're because you're now in the pool of the three that are being considered versus the pool of the seven that aren't. Yes. Yes. And, and you know what, at the end of the day, I got a client right now, just this morning, he would, he just finished meeting last night with a buyer and he's going to get millions more than he thought he was going to get because we worked together. We got his business, right. Got his stuff going. Right. How good do you think that makes me feel? That's life. Oh, you can do it. it. You can do it. It's okay. It's like, holy criminy. And I'll start cursing. I'll, I'll start cursing here too bad. That's okay. You know, uh, well, it's shit, shit. I mean, so, so how, how nice is that, that I affected a guy that's got, you know, he's yep. got three kids. He's a guy, good guy. He's 40 some years old, worked his ass off. Right. Or I could have done that in in, in, a, in a private equity owned company and turned another investor, you know, a million bucks that, They've got millions already. It doesn't matter. That's why, that's why I do this. That's why we do this. That's why we, that's why people go, why, why do you network with so many people? I said, well, because I want to know when a business owner comes to me and they have this specific problem, I know somebody that can fix that problem. Not just, oh yeah, I got a CPA. No, I want to know you got a question about whatever the yep. heck it is. It could be a 1042 rollover tax exemption. And I'm just putting stuff together, right? I want to call that person and I want to say, Susan, you do these every day. Go talk to Jill. She's the one that's that's going to be going through this situation and see what she needs to do. Because they these these mm-hmm. business owners and these entrepreneurs, they've worked their ass off on this and they deserve better. They deserve better than the investment banking and business brokerage gives them. Because I can't tell you how many times that I will go in and talk to somebody that's got gets into the business brokerage world and man, the smaller the business you get, the worse it gets. Yep. Oh yeah. Exactly. You can sell your business for that much money. They're blowing smoke up their ass there. Cause they just said, Oh yeah. To get a, to get a listing. And, and one of the people, things people ask when they're, <laughs> they're talking to their business broker, they go, Oh, do you have experience in our industry? That is about is that's about as relevant as asking a heart surgeon. <laughs> if, have, have you, have you worked on somebody my age? Right. <laughs> the process is the same to sell a business, right? It, it's the yeah. process is the same, but the business, what you should be asking is how many other businesses do you have listed? They never ask that question because the, the average business broker that's doing main street deals for the bakery down the street or, or the, the bar on the corner, they'll have a hundred, 150, yep. 200 listings. Why do they do that? Cause they only sell 25% of them. You talk to people that are serious about selling businesses because there's listers. We call those those yep. people listers. You talk to people that are selling businesses. It's a handful, right? Because if you're doing, mm-hmm. if you don't have a pretty big team, you can't do more than three or four, right? And and it's and it's not something that you can do where you just go, oh yeah, just give me the financials and we'll put it together and do that because you're not going to get it sold that way either. You got you to know that business well enough that when a buyer calls you, you can articulate the value right. in that business and why the hell they want to be interested in it, why they should pay millions of dollars for it. Even when the financials don't necessarily show it, right? So the yeah. hard part, the hard part is most um, for me, for, you know, the, the boomer yeah. guys, right? Essentially, they were content. They were content with the level that their business was at. Yeah. And they weren't willing to take the risk or put in the energy to go to the next level. Mm-hmm. If you're not taking the time to understand 
and understand what that next level could look like and the level of effort associated with that. You're just looking at five years of flat. Yeah. Okay. Who, who wants to buy a business of five years of flat? If there's no, if there's no upside. No, I tell those people invest all the money you can. So you have enough at the end because you're going to liquidate it. That's what I tell them. We've had, I mean, we've had businesses before years ago when we were doing the brokerage thing, flatline, making a million bucks a year profit. Mm -hmm. You can't find somebody that wants it because it's been flatlined for 10 years. They don't want a million dollars profit. You think somebody pay money for it? Well, they'll pay a little bit for it, but they won't pay a lot for it because, you know, it doesn't have any growth potential. And and the owner's sitting there going, well, it gives me a million dollars a year. Yes, it does. And it's like an annuity you should just keep until you're tired of doing it. And then hire a general manager. Yep. Yeah. Or hire a general manager. We've done that too. in businesses when you're, because we'll help people succeed their businesses, not as much as we sell, but that's the biggest thing I see in family (laughs) business. Like, Oh yeah, Damon, he should run my business. He's my son. You know, that's bullshit a lot of times. Cause you know, Damon, Damon grew up hanging out in the beach with his buddies and, you know, spending mom and dad's money or something like that. Or they're they're you know, he's, he's, he's into art or something completely different. That's not going to work well in business. You know, you, you really, that general manager thing should not be taken lightly because if you're in the situation where you are going to shut your business down, you could extend that time many years with the right person. Right. And that same million dollar business could go along at a million dollars for a long time. And you could pay somebody 150, $200, $250,000 of that million it's sure nice to have that 750 until you 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 can't care you don't care about it anymore. There's there's, there's so many uh-huh. different ways to do it, but for to get a business sold, you have to have growth. Yep. You have to have yep. growth. The, the business I'm talking about that we did, they got almost 100% growth the last two years. And that's freaky. It's not going to happen very often, but you know you can get a good. You get north of 15% growth, and you go that year over year, and you can articulate the next couple of years where it's going to come from, and they see it coming. You got a lot, you got a lot better chance. It's really cool. So how can people find you since you're such an introvert? (laughs) You know, I am an introvert. If you ask my wife, she said, all you like to do is you get on video and you just hang out at home. You never like to do anything. Uh, But now LinkedIn, you know, Damon Postolka, my last name is pretty familiar or pretty unique. Uh, In fact, don't do uh, dances. Don't do exit planning dances. But uh, yeah, LinkedIn exityourway.com. Uh, that's where you can get a hold of me. Twitter, D Pasalka, Instagram, D Pasalka, no TikTok. <laughs> Not yet. You know, no, there you go. There you go. Let's yeah. create one first. Yeah. March of no. 2019. So you got no. an anniversary coming up here. So yeah. I, that would be a really great opportunity for anniversary dances to uh, create a TikTok video. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it said. That's I was thinking what anniversary, but I think, yeah, that's when we actually did. According uh, to this, March of 2019. Is yeah, formed the company or something. I don't yep. know. I don't know the timeline stuff for sure. You know, you get, <laughs> it just all blends together after a while. But that's the easiest way. ExitRate.com, LinkedIn. Yeah. That's so, awesome. It, it was so fun to meet you in person after correspondence out on LinkedIn. And uh, I'm so glad you were willing to take the time out of your day to uh, to come on our little show. Yeah. Thank you. I, well, and I appreciate you having me. Uh, it's, it's great to be here and I appreciate you not kicking me off. Cause right. I, my, as my <laughs> mother would say, sometimes I have the mouth of a sailor and it's okay. 
this is, this, <laughs> this is called blue collar BS because blue collar isn't very clean sometimes, right? Life isn't clean sometimes. Right. <laughs> it's not a sport meant to be clean. Thank you so much, Damon. I'm sure we will connect on LinkedIn. We'll find some opportunities to reconnect. And if you happen to know anybody that wants to that would be a good guest um, for the show to talk through some things, I'd be we'd be more than happy to have them. As a, yeah, as I've, a got, I've got I've got some I got some people you'd like to talk to because it would be fun, right? It'd be fun yeah. to hear some of their stories and and understand what's going on and continue to support industry that's so near and dear to this country to to continue to grow. Oh, yeah. and, and provide opportunities for the next generations. Mm-hmm. Thank so, you. Thank you so much for being on today. Thank you for listening to Blue Collar BS, brought to you by Vision Forward Business Solutions and Professional Business Coaching, Inc. If you'd like to learn more on today's topic, just reach out to Steve Doyle or myself, Brad Herta. Please like, share, rate, and review this show as feedback is the only way we can get better. Let's keep blue-collar businesses strong for generations to come.